Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. Uh, If you're in this series, if you've been with us, we're talking about a summer to live. And it's just the concept that I think that today's kind of hot button, and I'm not a hot button preacher. You're not going to hear me jump on different topics and kind of shock jock you, all right? I don't do that. I just, here's what God's Word says, and how we're going to do with God's Word, all right? But one of the things is, is I think that, that right now we're in this, this time period where everybody's trying to figure out, like, like what's going on? You know, like, <laughs> like well, I don't know how things are changing. I don't, you know, things that have always been true. Now people are telling me those things aren't true. Uh, different things are happening. Uh, anybody bought eggs lately? <laughs> you know, you're like, wow. You know, I, man, I, what happened to the 25-cent eggs is all I'm saying. And you have all this stuff going on, and it's like, how do I get through this life? And then when I get through this life, what is the purpose like, like, even with that phrase is wrong, right? It's not about getting through this life. It's about actually living this life. How do I live this life and, and have joy and have peace and have these amazing things and, and have accomplishment and have love and people that I, that I know and I'm enjoying it? I wake up in the morning and I'm excited about the day. I'm not going, oh, here I go again. It's Monday. You know, like, like how do I make sure... And, and the question was simply this, what if this summer was your, your last summer? Now, I'm not wishing that on anybody, okay? But what if this was your last summer? If it was your last summer to live, how would you live it? And a lot of you are like, well, I wouldn't be sitting here right now. I'd be at the beach. Shame on you. You'd be here, right? Tell me you'd be here. That helps me, helps me feel better, right? And so, but it's like we want to worship Christ. We want to do those things, but we want to enjoy life. But how do I balance this out? Well, today, I actually want to hit just a reminder button. I want to go back to a scripture, and I just want to remind you guys, like, like this, is, this is some things. There, there's three things that we've got to do, okay? If, if we're going to live this life, if we're going to live a life that's going to create change, if we're going to live a life that's not simply for ourselves, that's kind of a key there. Like at the end of this whole thing called life, if the only benefactor of this life was myself, then I promise you're missing it because you're gonna wanna have a life of influence. You're gonna wanna have a life that changes. And I believe that God's word gives us a very distinct aspect of of three simple things that we need to have if we're going to live a life that makes a difference. And so if you have your Bibles, I want us to start out, and we're gonna actually start out in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bible, if you're on a tablet or whatever, we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter three, verses 11 through 15. I'm gonna read verse 10 just to set the stage, if you're okay with this. According to the grace of God given to me, this is Paul, okay? Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. Uh, The church of Corinth, if you read 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians, you'll hear a lot of things about the body. You hear a lot of things about the way you live and sexual immorality, because in this particular area, and because of where it was located, uh, they were worshiping different things, and in particular, a God of fertility, and there just was some stuff going on that didn't need to be going there, so Paul's trying to get them to understand that, that your body is a temple, and that you don't just freely just, like, abuse it and do different things. A lot of people will use that to mean different things, 
Uh, I grew up in church, and I can remember different things that people would tell me. It's like everything they say, say, well, you know, your body's the temple. You know, it's like you shouldn't eat that steak. Why? Because your body's the temple. You know, you shouldn't get a tattoo. Why? Well, because your body's the temple. Well, you shouldn't wear those clothes. Why? Because your body's the temple. And I'm going, wait a minute. What is that what this is talking about? And our real quick rabbit trail, it's not what I'm preaching on. That is not what this is talking about. What this is talking about is realizing that when Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose on the third day and he ripped that veil, Jesus, God himself, Yahweh God, used to be present in the holy of holies. That's the only place that he dwelled. And only the high priest would be able to go in there and have a personal relationship with him. When that veil was ripped, he said, you know what? I no longer dwell in this one place called the Holy of Holies in my temple. Now you are his temple and he can dwell in you. That's what it's talking about. Not that you shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. You should understand that God says, you know what? I will reside in you. I will be a part of you. I will be your God and you will be my people. That's free of charge, all right? But let's get back to the scripture here. So he's talking about this aspect of, according to the grace of God given to me, which is Paul, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care of how he builds upon it. And so I give you that verse to set it up because it's letting you understand that, that in this life, like you, you ain't the one that started all this, just so you'll know. Like, good news, bad news. Good news is, I think you're amazing. Bad news is that you ain't the one that really did everything. A lot of us have moms, we have dads, we have grandparents, we have great-grandparents. We are building on a foundation that somebody else has come before us. And when it comes to our faith, no matter what's going on, this isn't about crossroads, this isn't about XYZ Church in Cleveland or XYZ Church in the United States, or these different people, the reality is, is that Jesus Christ laid a foundation, and on that foundation, everything else is built. In fact, if we were to go to Matthew, in that all-unbelievable sermon on the mount, he talks about a wise man and a foolish man. And a wise man builds his house on the rock, and a foolish man builds his house on the sand. And it's just the aspect of knowing that, that there's a foundation that you're building on. You say, why is that important? Because I think if we think about our life and what we want to do with our life, if we take time to realize the foundation that was laid before us, it'll give us a concept of what we wanna build on top of that. Like a lot of times, I, I, I'm not gonna turn around and, and, and take the shed out back that you know a strong wind blows and it falls down. I'm not gonna start to build a bunch of things that matter a whole lot on top of it. I've not seen a five-story shed but when I look at different people and they built a house and, and it has the way to expand, I, okay, I will build on that. And so that's what he's talking about. When it comes to your faith, what are you gonna build on? When it comes to your life, what are you gonna build on? Another rabbit trail. You know, it, it's, it's scientifically proven and a lot of psychologists will tell you that people that have been abused grow up to be abusers. People that have been molested grow up to be molesters. People that, like, like the foundations that's been laid in your life, if not dealt with and not a relationship with Jesus Christ, and he has the ability to change everything, that you will find yourself in what I call generational sin. 
In other words, this foundation's been laid and you unintentionally just pass it on to the next and to the next and to the next and to the next. And the reason being is because, because you never stopped long enough to say, okay, why am I doing this? You just grow up and it's just what you've seen and what you've looked at. That concept that I'm telling you is what Paul is talking about right here. He's actually having a debate with this church about him and Apollos. And both of them are doing some amazing things. And he's letting them know it ain't about me or about Apollos. It's about what we're doing for Jesus. This is the New Testament version of two churches that are squawking because one church is doing one thing and one church isn't. Well, that church down the road is doing this. Well, this church is doing this. Well, this church has an outdoor movie theater. Well, this church has a walking track. Well, we build a pool. Well, we build a gym with a pool. I mean, like going back and forth. It's like, what's that even matter? And that's what he's talking about. You guys are asking me questions about Apollos. You're asking me questions about, the bottom line is there's a foundation that's been laid and everything is built on that foundation and that foundation is Jesus. And if it doesn't have to do with Jesus, don't get distracted. And then he gives us an amazing concept. Listen to these next few verses. Here's what you're gonna see on the screen, verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifested. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. So let me give you a, a little bit of a concept of what's going on. This is the concept of what's going on. There's coming a day that no matter what you're doing with your life, we all have a same ending. Like, I don't know if you've realized this or yet, but everybody I've ever known's life has ended the same way. They've died. You're welcome. That's encouraging, isn't it? Like everybody has. I don't know of anybody whose life has not ended. Everybody dies. And by the end of your life, you will see that almost like this concept that there's going to be a light put on to say, okay, here's what really matters. Another rabbit trail, we'll have a few of them today, but I'll try to limit them. One of the things that we do as a staff, your church staff, one of my big things is leadership. I'm real big on self-leadership, and, and I think self-leadership is the best type of leadership because you, 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 you dive into God's word and you do some different things and you learn to lead yourself first. I'm not talking about self-care. I'm talking about self-leadership. There's a difference. And I said, one of the greatest exercises that I've ever done that I've had our staff do, and we do it on a regular basis, you know, every year or so, is say, listen, take time and, and like think about, think about that you died. Isn't that, I'm just such an encouragement today, ain't it? All right, so just like you died and you're able to sit at your funeral. And you're just like observing. And the question is simply this. If you were watching people at your funeral and they were getting up talking about you, what would you want them to say? Like if I was sitting there and my wife got up, do I really care that she's gonna get up there and say, oh, he was a hunk of a man. I mean, when I first met him, it was like, whoo, a light came on, and I knew then I had to ask him to marry me. Do I want her to share all that stuff? No, even though it may be true. 
Like, what is it that I want her to say? What is it that I want my kids to say? Oh, dad, he was a real good coach in Little League. Like, what do I want my kids to say about me? What do I want my coworkers to say about me? What do I want my family members to say about me? What do I want my friends to say about me? See, when we start thinking about that concept, all of a sudden, if, if we were to actually list these things out, and I've actually done this, where I've literally taken time and I've written out all these different relationships, like, here's what I'd like for them to say about me. All of a sudden, you're gonna start to see some, some qualities that kind of come to the, to the top, to come to the forefront, and you're gonna start realizing these are the things that really matter to you. And here's where it gets really crazy. And you're gonna look at what you're chasing and what really matters to you. And I'm not gonna say for sure this will happen, but it's very likely that what you want people to say about you and what you're doing and what you're chasing are on opposite ends of the spectrum. There's nobody that I've ever heard at a funeral that says, boy, I tell you what, my dad, I, he worked, he was, he was the hardest working man. I never saw him. I, I love how hard my dad worked and he's taught me to never be around my family because work matters. I've never heard anybody say that. You know, I, I, I've, I've never heard, like, like the things that we hear are, are things about time and the time and the, and the love and the way they cared and they were always there for you and some different things like that. And, and so it's a concept of trying to figure out like, like where am I going and what really matters? That's what this is talking about. There's coming a judgment. There's coming a day where all of us are gonna have what we've built. And there's gonna be a fire. It's talking about judgment. The day is capitalized. If you look in your text, you'll see the day, the day's capitalized. It's talking about a particular day. It's talking about the judgment day. And what it's talking about is that we're all gonna face judgment. And in that point, you're gonna find out that stuff is gonna be burnt up by fire. Like there's some stuff that you're gonna think is real important, but guess what, it don't matter. In fact, there's a great thing. If you think about judgment, you think about fire, that also works in this world. Like if, if you can drop a match and burn it up, it may not be worth really chasing. Because the things, the things that matter to you are the things that when the house is on fire, you're getting them out, not putting them in it. And it's the concept, if we're gonna live this life, like, like what do we gotta figure out? Well, number one, we gotta figure out what are we gonna do? What are we working for? And when we're working, what are those things worth? Let's go to the next verse. It gives us a little bit more insight. Straight out of God's word. Are you ready? Verse 14. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. So he's given us a concept that in this life, you have things that you are working and that you are building. And in judgment, it will face fire. And if it survives, you'll receive a reward. Does, it doesn't say anything about it if it doesn't, does it? All it's saying is, you know, it, and you're gonna see in the next verse, if it doesn't survive, it just doesn't mean anything. It's not worth anything. If you're taking notes, there's three things that we gotta do. Number one, we have got to make sure that the things that we do are things that matter. Like, you wanna talk about a summer to live? My biggest prayer for every one of us that we don't get to the end of our life and realize that we were just focusing on a bunch of stuff that didn't matter. I can't wait, whew. That'd be terrible. 
the best example, another rabbit trail, sorry. Anybody ever had Christmas? As a parent had Christmas? And you killed yourself. Like you've lived out the movie, right? Where you're going and you're waiting in line to get that one toy. And you're like finding it. And this is like, I'm talking about prior to Amazon. Like, like Amazon made Christmas so blah. Like, I, I, I mean, I just, like, I like the chaos. I like everybody going to the mall. I like having to drive around for 30 minutes to find a parking lot. Like, it gets me in my Christmas feels. I'm like borderline emotional. I'm like, this is awesome. Everybody, you know, now it's like nobody's there. Everybody just click. And I'm like, that is no fun whatsoever. All right, said the guy that doesn't buy anything or wrap nothing, right? <laughs> you know, my wife's over there going, shh. You know, but it's well said, but you go and you, you find something and you wrap it up and they open it up and you're going, is that it? That's all the reaction I'm getting? Do you not know how long I searched? How long? Two months later, you, it's sitting in the corner and you're going, five months later, you're selling it for a buck at a yard sale. Let me help you. Don't do that this year. Bring it to serve day. We'll give it to somebody. See, that way you'll feel something. See, I put that in there. <laughs> Haley, you're welcome. All right, but it's one of those things. Like, like bring that stuff. Like, just save yourself. You're not even doing the yard sale, right? You just bring it and give it away. But listen to me. There are things that we invest in. There are things that we do. And when we get done doing it, we sit there and we go, that wasn't worth it. That's not it. Now, don't mishear me. Be kind and gracious to your kids. Make Christmas a big deal. Do everything that you can. Let them have, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not anti-gifts. I love gifts. I love giving gifts. I'm just saying in this life, let's not get to the end of life just to sit there and go, well, that didn't matter. In fact, the next part's the part that kind of gets me. He says, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. And the concept that, that is given here, talking about judgment, is that at the end of your life, you may suffer loss, and, and, and it, it'll be tough, but because of Jesus being a part of your life, you'll still be saved. But the other concept that's here, though, is that the loss you're gonna experience is not the loss of stuff. It's the loss of what really mattered and all the other people that didn't join you in this journey to salvation. Like the aspect that he's talking about with judgment, can I put it in, in Cleveland English? God loves you so much that not only does he want you to have a personal relationship with Jesus, but listen to me. He wants your friends to have a relationship with Jesus too. Like he wants the people that you know to have a relationship with him. He wants you to not only bring yourself at the end of this life, but to bring a whole lot of other people because of what you've done in this life that matter to him as well. In other words, let me put it to you another way. Listen to me one more time. Is what you're doing matter? There's another scripture I want to share with you. It's in Ephesians. It's Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 17. And you'll see this scripture up on the screen. It says, be very careful then how you live. Some translations will say walk. 
not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Listen to me. The scripture that it's talking about, the things that it's talking about, talking about things that matter, it's the concept of realizing that, you know what? These, these days are evil. Like, you need to understand, and if you'll remember, I took you guys, and if you're new here, you can go back, you can go online, you can go to crosswordscommunitychurch.com, you can research the different podcasts and go back to October. I did a three-part series on end-time prophecy. And the simple concept is this. If you knew the time in which you would live in, you'd start worrying about what's going on and you start realizing the opportunity we have to make a difference. Because there are people that are searching for an answer. Like, like it, it, it has gotten a little bit, I shouldn't use the word stupid, so I'll think of a better word. Well, I can't, all right? It's gotten a little bit crazy. But that's not uncommon. We know that two things are gonna happen. In the end times, the increase of wickedness and the increase of knowledge. We know that. You can go back to those podcasts, listen to all three. We'll talk about all that right out of God's word. But we can't be surprised that wickedness is increasing. But what we can be surprised is how much believers are allowing wickedness to increase in their own life. Like the world's supposed to get more wicked, but that doesn't mean you are. There's supposed to be a lot of more craziness, but that doesn't mean it's supposed to be in you. Like you have to live a life that is contagious, that brings about a difference. I'll hit two hot buttons, I'll hit just one, and I'm gonna leave this alone. But listen to me, the Bible is not confused on gender. The Bible is very clear. Not only is it gender for humans, but it's gender for every animal. It says he made, he made male and female. And it talks about why, because he wanted them to reproduce and fill the earth. But all of a sudden, in 2023, well, no, there, there's more than two genders. No, there's not. And that's not an indictment because I don't love people. Like, like I'm telling you that because I do love people. Like if my son came up to me and said, Dad, that oven won't burn me. I'm not gonna sit there and go, well, it's your choice. Now I'm gonna be like, no, son, that will burn you. Don't touch that. Well, I'm gonna touch it anyway. And I'd grab his hand and say, no, you're not. Listen to me. There are some things that we have to understand that in this life, we have to live a life that is different. And it doesn't mean different in, in another rabbit trail, but I have to say this. Different doesn't mean that you're hammering and bashing people on social media. That ain't making a difference. All that's doing is making people mad and making people think less of everybody else that loves Jesus. Like, please, if not for yourself, for me. Like, the hardest thing as a pastor that you have to deal with, there's two. Number one is when you want something more for somebody than they want for themselves. That'd probably be first. The second would be is when you gotta overcome what everybody else is saying and doing. Oh, well, did you see that so-and-so posted blah, 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 and I'm like, well, they're an idiot. Well, they're one of your elders. Well, point proven. They said yes. I love them. They're in the back. Me and Mr. Siles, I'm just picking. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's one of, like, like, just please, I've been begging you for five years. Stop the social media post. 
It's not helping. You talking about everybody and putting funny videos that you think's funny, like it ain't helping. Because all it does is when somebody does stand up and talk about truth and God's word, then we're looked at as a bigot or somebody that's against everybody. And then we hate everybody. Guess what? I'm not a bigot and I don't hate everybody. I love everybody. And I love them enough to say, this is what God's word says. Why? Because that's the only thing I can stand on. And the aspect that I'm talking about is another thing. Not only you gotta focus on things that matter, but listen to me. You gotta build on things that matter. You gotta have things that matter. But a part of that's gonna be that you're gonna create a culture. Like in the process of building this life and living this life, you're gonna be creating a culture. And it's not that you're creating the culture as much as you're being the culture. In fact, let me read you a scripture real quick. It's in Philippians. You're not gonna see it on the screen, but I just wanted to add this. It says this, have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So it tells you where it comes from, right? Talking about the foundation. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God things to be gra- a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Can I put it to you in everyday English? Though Jesus was fully God, And though God was completely in control, he says, you know what? I love them so much that I'm gonna give them away. I will do it myself. I'll take the form of a baby. I'll take the form of my son, Jesus, and I will become a servant. I'll be the greatest servant of all. I will just serve them, serve them even to the point of death. I will sacrifice everything. I will deny myself. I will take up my cross and I will follow God. And that's what Jesus did. And when it comes to culture, let me help you. That's where it starts and stops. You know why we do serve day? It's not because everybody else out here needs it. It's because we here on the inside need it. Like July 22nd, I'm telling you, like being there shouldn't be an option. Because I promise, maybe you're different, but I need it. I need to remember why God put me here. He didn't put me here to be served. He put me here to serve. And that's the culture that you gotta create. It's a culture of serving and and putting other people in, and I want something more for you. And because of that, I'm gonna do things that matter. But we get totally distracted with that. That's not the culture that's being created. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Because I want to talk to you about one demonstration that changed everything. And yes, I'm a patriotic guy, and it's July the 1st, and we're going to talk a little bit about independence. But listen to me for today. Can I encourage you to, number one, to start focusing on things that matter with the way you, you spend your time and your talent and your treasures. Like, focus on things that matter. And I promise, I don't mean this being rude. I'm I'm just, I'm putting some of my own skin in the game this morning. All right, at age 48, praying that I'm I'm still got a long ways to go. But at age 48 compared to 28, here's what I've realized. I'm not the most important thing that matters. In my 20s, if you'd asked me what mattered, I'd been like, me, I matter. And it's not that you don't. It's just when I live my life at age 48, I start realizing that the things that matter most to me 
I don't even put myself on the list. Because the fulfillment and the joy that I get is, is through serving and loving the things that matter the most to me. And so it's almost, this is going to sound horrible, but it's almost selfish. It's like, like I, I want to serve and love people because I know in the end that's what matters most to me, so I get the benefit in the end. You're like, well, Mickey, you're selfish. Well, I, I, yes. Yes, I am. And I'm willing to, because I've realized where my joy comes from. And my joy doesn't come from, from me. My joy doesn't come from myself. There's never been a time where I had an accomplishment personally, and I was like, woo this is the greatest thing ever. Everything that I've ever had that's a memory in my life that's meant the most to me has always involved somebody else. So you got to be a part of that culture. The last thing that I want to talk about, and, and then I'm done, is not only you got to be a part of the culture, we got to focus on things that matter, but we must, we must, I'm just going to say this and say it one time. It goes back to what I was talking about with social media. We must learn to balance grace and truth. Listen to me. It's one of my phrases. Grace without truth is meaningless. Truth without grace, it's just mean. But grace and truth together, listen to me, that's good medicine. That'll solve a lot of issues. There's a lot of people that they just want to grace, 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 grace. Oh, we just forgive, 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 grace, grace, grace. Oh, do whatever you want to, whatever. No, you got to have truth. You got to have God's word. The Bible says what it says and it means what it means. And I can be gracious. Why? Because people have been gracious to me. But people being gracious to me doesn't change the truth. And so we got to be gracious, but we got to be truthful. How does that look? Well, you know what? No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God gives you a right to go on the journey, and I'm going to love you anyway. And I, I can be welcoming and loving without being celebratory and condoning. Well, what's, what's truth without grace? Well, you've seen them. You heard me joke around about them. It's the bullhorn guy on the side of the road, right? You're going to a ball game in Atlanta Braves, and there's some guy out there, you know, who he got his bullhorn. Sanctify French fry, turn your bird, you're all going to hell. I'm like, no, I'm going to a Braves game, buddy. I don't know where you're going. I'm just going to, you know, depending on the way this hot dog, it may feel like hell, but, uh, you know, I'm just going to a Braves game. And they just sit there just, rah, 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 rah. I call it middle finger evangelism. You're so offensive, nobody's going to care what you're saying. That's that truth without grace. You see it in God's word with the Pharisees and the scribes. They had no grace. Why are you picking the wheat on Sabbath? Why are you doing this? Why are you healing the blind man? Why are you? And it's like, where's the grace? Listen to me. We got to bring them together. I know people that have all the truth, but they have no grace, and it's, it's, just, it's just mean. And I know people that have all the grace, and they have no truth, and it's meaningless. But together is where life exists. 
So those three things, if we're gonna live, we gotta have them. We gotta focus on things that matter. Scripture tells us not everything's gonna last. We gotta have a, a culture identity. We gotta create the culture. You say, how do you create the culture? It's very simple, you be the culture. Culture's not something to create, culture's something you are. Be the culture. And then lastly, we gotta balance grace and truth. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give or text CRCC with your dollar amount to 73256. Once again, thanks for listening.